I did not in any way choose to or plan this opening for this sermon. I'm making it up as of about 45 seconds ago when I went to get the earbuds that I normally use to preach. I had them last service, took them out of my ears. They're not in any pocket on my body. They're not in the case they go. This is my life, people. I am not kidding every day. And what it causes is anger and fear. So that's where I'm at, actually. Thank you for laughing. It is funny. We all share it. Anger and fear, though. Tremendous fear, in fact. That would be the dominant emotion I experience. I have anger. I've had to learn to let myself be angry so I can stop being so afraid. They're kind of on the same spectrum. I'm not a master of this, and I want to teach you the Bible anyway. Again, this is my opening, and I didn't plan the metaphor and the analogy of the technology failing me at the last moment, and so, oh, now, God, what do I do? Well, now those who are online have worse hearing. It's like an echo chamber for them right now, and I feel bad for all of you. I'm really sorry. I love you all, though I don't know any of you, and so I don't know you, right? I'm on a screen. Um, but... I'm afraid because of them. And even looking at the screen creates a little bit of fear in my person. All right? So I, I deal with fear all the time. And, and I really want to tell you the best thing I've ever discovered was like last week is when I'm afraid, say Jesus Christ out loud. Just say it. And then if you feel weird, like, well, that that didn't really quite feel good, then use the name of your God to remind you to pray to him. Let's do a little catechism this morning here at our Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Congregation. Grab your hymnal or a hymnal in the pew and find your way to page 321. There you will find what we call our small catechism for the world out there that doesn't know. Uh, the catechisms of the churches of the ancient world are just small little collections of teachings that are geared up to make it so that an illiterate population, people who don't read and only watch stuff, would be able to know what they need to know in the Bible when the Bible was just too hard to have anybody try to read. Now we use it generally to teach children, right? That's what we think of the catechism is for, is for the father to teach the family and the home. And that's true. But again, this father is a man without a Bible because he's a German peasant. And he has to teach his children something. And rather than teach them steal, we're supposed to teach them don't steal. And if you don't know what that means, Luther is there to help you figure out what, you know, stealing means. That's what the explanations are that we make all the kids memorize. I talked about Lutheran schools before, by the way. I'm in the era that we definitely memorized scripture and we definitely got to fake it with the catechism. So I did not memorize Luther's answers. I have a lot of them in my heart and head from time in seminary. No, I'm teaching it, but I can't go straight through. I can't, my kids can, but they gotta sing it to do it. And they can tell you a story about that one, that's fun. Um, but in any case, uh, this catechism thing, though, it, it's kind of a chip on my shoulder a little bit, to tell you the truth, because no one really knows what it means. Like, I still, as I'm using the word, I know you're thinking about, like, a little blue book or a little purple book, and, and that's just not the catechism. It's not. It's, that, that's a collection of information explaining the catechism. But the catechism is a very simple thing. In fact, here, let's just turn the pages in your hymnal. How many pages does this thing go before it's over? 
right? How far we get? What's that? Nine pages? Nine pages? Now, you'll notice um, it's, it is missing one thing, uh, kind of. It would be more pages if section three, the table of duties, was printed. So you could read those Bible verses. I would suggest all that you need to know about what happened to the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and where it went wrong is told in this hymnal. All that went right is told in this hymnal, too. So don't hate this hymnal too much. Okay, it's a great hymnal. But why did we leave the table of duties out? Like, isn't that the only Bible in the whole thing? I think we think of this catechism a little more highly than we ought, honestly. Not that we shouldn't use it, and I definitely swear to teach according to its meaning in the German. And the English isn't so good at commandment number two, and that's where we're going today, which is back on page 321. Where the second commandment says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Now, you shall not misuse the name of of the Lord your God. Now let's put in there, you shall not misuse the name of Jesus Christ. Now I know we all know what this feels like. We've all been in the room when somebody has misused the name of Jesus Christ, right? We've all heard that, right? Do I need to do it as an example or can I just let it be for those other people at the restaurant when they spill their soda or whatever, right? Huh? Okay, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? So we've all heard it used. This says you shall not misuse it. What does that mean? Now we jump to Luther. Was ist das? I don't know much German, but I know was ist das? Is what does this mean? It's right there, right? And we should fear and love God is what it means. Let's just put a period there, though. Put a period. We should fear and love God and let your finger drag up to first commandment. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God. Every commandment is the first commandment expanded. I wrote a whole book about this. It's called Echo. It's in the back. You can borrow it and read it for free. There's pictures, really. It's fun. But, you know, hardcore style here again. Second commandment, we should fear and love God. Third commandment, we should fear and love God. Fourth commandment, we should fear and love God. Right? That's kind of the real point of the catechism on the Ten Commandments. And then he tells us how to understand what it means in German. And in German, it means we do not curse swear, use satanic arts, lie, or deceive by his name, but call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. Now, before we get into any of that nitty-gritty there, uh, notice what Luther does that is absolute God-blessed genius is in teaching you about how you shall not, you shall not, you shall not, he manages to teach us what we can do. So while you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, it certainly doesn't say, don't use his name. Or be afraid of using his name, lest you do it wrong. That's how pagans think, right? Like if I say Voldemort, <gasps> he saw me, right? Well, so that's just it. Jesus Christ, guess what? He saw me. Now, how's my heart? He knows you don't. We're good. So we're good because I'm teaching you. Probably wouldn't say it like that in a crowd. But I might, and here's, I'm gonna jump all the way to the pay dirt, okay? The next time you're somewhere and you hit your thumb, right? The nail goes through the thumb. You're on the, you're, it's on the table. You put the nail through the thumb. You are nailed to the table now, right? You with me in pain yet? Pain hasn't hit yet, because you're just like, what did I just do, right? Oh my God. And it's boiling up, and then suddenly you're gonna do something that's gonna come out of your mouth, it's gonna involve air, right? You're gonna say something. What are you gonna say? 
It's all going back to, you've probably heard the story too much now. Just last year, made a bad left turn. I love my Honda Pilot. Best purchase I ever made with money. My Honda Pilot made a bad left turn. I was listening to music, and I was in a hurry to get to my kids, which meant I was being driven by fear. <laughs> um, bad left turn, poor girl. She's like 17, or brand new Focus or whatever, you know. And she barely got a fender bender. My insurance covered it. I barely got a fender bender, but the airbag went off, and so the pilot was gone. And none of that really matters. What matters is what I said right before she hit me. What came out of my mouth. And I'm glad to say it was a farmer's word, not a city word. There's kind of two ways to cuss, farm and city. I mean, you're following me, right? Yeah, it was the farmer's word. It came out. But you know what I want it to be? Because if that was a semi-truck, I want to say, oh, Jesus Christ! That's really what I want to do. I really do. That's my prayer to the day I die, and I hope I give that to you today. Don't be afraid in anger or fear to shout Jesus Christ because he's your God. And if at the moment you're like, I never do this, did I just blaspheme? Say, I'm sorry for blaspheming. Teach me how to pray. Yeah, you with me? Anybody? No amens. Amen. Amen. So let's go back to fear love so that we do not, though. Here's the trick. We see it and it says, do not curse, swear, use satanic arts, and we run off a whole load of programs. And we assume the guy at the restaurant talking about his soda with Jesus' name, not saying thank you for it with his family, right, but shouting about it, uh, we, assume that, we assume that's what cursing is. And then we also assume the same thing as swearing, and then we just ignore satanic arts because no one does that anymore. Except it's, that's just all wrong. I mean, the satanic arts, that's the one part that's translated well. Okay, so the German's very clear. That word is like worshiping demons with your soul. Okay, like that, that's as bad as that gets. And don't do that with Jesus' name. Do not use Jesus' name to name demons. Use Jesus' name to chase the demons away. Right? Baal is not Jesus. All paths do not lead to God. Right? That kind of thing. So you can take that feeling, the dark arts feeling, of satanic arts, right? Notice how in Harry Potter, they just took away the Christianity and pretended like it all got there on its own. Sheesh. They still have Christmas, no Jesus. Yeah, what? Uh, anyway, uh, satanic arts, rewind that darkness back into the words swear and curse. So by swear here, Luther doesn't mean don't take a marriage vow or don't take out a mortgage. I mean, there's reasons not to take out a mortgage, but, but you, know, you know, signing on the dotted line in your covenant, it is not saying don't do that, nor is it saying don't do that in Jesus' name. When our politicians used to swear to hold up the Constitution on the Bible, like the whole point was that's in Jesus' name. I don't know if you know, they don't all do that anymore. That's, that's a fun thread to pull on. Um, evil stuff, like evil stuff, not like Dr. Seuss. You wish it was Dr. Seuss they were pulling up there. It's not. Um, so swearing, though, making an oath in, in Jesus' name is what this is about here, right? And we're not supposed to do this with a lie attached to it. We're not supposed to try to convince people when they don't believe us. Like, you're telling me, I don't believe you, Pastor. And I say, well, in Jesus' name, so that you'll believe me. And not because Jesus said so. I can say, well, in Jesus' name, the Bible says this. That's what it says, right? Do you see the difference between using his name rightly and not using his name at all. Because we don't use it poorly, right? We just don't use it at all. Okay, and then re rewind into curse. This is the best one, I think. Curse. 
I think you're allowed to curse in Jesus' name. You're just not allowed to curse people or the world. You get to curse God, your Father, and then he'll look at you and smile and wait till you realize you said Jesus Christ, that you cursed, and then you'll realize that your curse is a blessing. And only you, only the Christian, only the baptized. You can curse God all day. He still loves you. It's amazing. And he's going to be like, now, son, now, you know, did you really need to do that? You know, was there maybe a better way? Isn't it all going to work out in the end? Right? That's, the, that's the message Jesus gives you when you use his name in anger and it's wrong. If you're a Christian, he's going to then answer by teaching you how to pray. That's the point. When you're angry is when you most need to pray. It's not when you got to hold it inside. You got to let it out, you know? And your God is the God of war. He wants to fight for you. So call on him. I mean, imagine. He can hear everything, right? Like the drop of a pin. He's inside your head. He's omniscient. He knows all things. But for the sake of your humanity, okay? You're a body. You're not just a soul. You're a body. Imagine he's actually on a throne really far away. But he's given you, like, I mean, in, in, in Avengers, you'd have, like, the bug in your ear, right? Like, you're about to fight on the moon, and you're talking back to, to wherever really fast, you know? But uh, it's more like the horn. I'm going to use a Lord of the Rings image here. Uh, there's a moment where there's a group, and they're surrounded, three or four of them. They're surrounded by this big horde of monsters. And the one who is uh, fighting to save everybody... Uh, Boromir is his name. He's been a bad guy, but it's like his redemption moment. Um, he's fighting to save the little ones that are around him. He's being filled with arrows the entire time. He's just being shot full of arrows. And, you know, he's about to die. And the bad guys get close. He fights again. And the little ones are behind him. And then right before he dies, he grabs this horn that he's carried with him all the way from his, his lands of Gondor, far away. And he just blows this horn. Woohoo! And it holds off the monsters for a while. They're like afraid of him because he's just making noise, right? Blowing his horn, right? And the thing is, like way, way far away, the king, Aragorn, he goes, and he didn't hear the horn, but he got the message. So what do you want? You want a little stone in your pocket? You pull out, you say, Jesus hears me when I touch the stone. I mean, that's not idolatry, but it is, right? You don't need the stone. Jesus hears you when you call his name. Jesus hears you when you call his name. So indeed, don't be afraid of in your anger, in your moment, raising that horn and saying, help me, Jesus Christ. This is what we're gonna get out of Matthew. I gave you a 15 minute intro so we can make sure you know I'm not teaching us to curse or swear or use satanic arts in Jesus' name here at St. Paul Lutheran Church. We are not a cult. We are a communion with the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and we teach all sorts of good stuff, including the small catechism as contained in the Sons of Solomon packets. So we're all about being Christians together. And what I want now is to take that idea that you can call on Jesus' name and put it into the story of Peter sinking in the water. I want you to be in that story as Peter, or you have a choice today. You can be James, you can be John, you can be Matthew, you can be Bartholomew. Yeah, Barf. Uh, that's a movie reference. I'm sorry about it. Um, <laughs> Sometimes it rattles around. You can choose to be in the boat or you can choose to be out of the boat. I've heard too many sermons about get out of the boat. What a load of, what do I say? Jesus Christ, what do I say? So they'll know what I mean. What a load. What a load. 
It's not about how you have to get out of the boat. There are 11 guys that stayed in the boat. They're all saved. They're all apostles. They changed the world, okay? And so it's about who is Jesus? What does he do, right? So here we are. We're going to pick up at verse 22, uh, skip over the part we heard read to complete the, uh, the supper story, the feeding the 5,000 story from last week. But he makes the disciples get into the boat Go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And he went, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. And this is where some of that stuff from last week, I won't go all the way back, but Elijah's story and Jesus' story and Matthew following the same patterns of fleeing from persecution or leaving persecution, being around bread in the wilderness for a little bit and then going up onto a mountain by himself where God is, right? Um, and now, even more, there's some wind that's going to show up. If it's, on, if it's on the Sea of Galilee so that there's waves, there's wind where Jesus is watching the boat. And so that wind that Elijah ran into now is coming down upon the sea that those disciples are in. And he made them do this. They had 5,000 people. There's, hey guys, I'll get there later. Get in the boat, go across the sea. Okay, Jesus, whatever you say, we'll do it. We'll see you on the other side. How are you getting there? Nobody asks. We don't know. I don't know. Uh, but they get in. These boats are, um, they're, they're kind of what you would be able to buy to go in the river at Rockford. Right? The Rock River boats to go in there about that size. Okay, Now you're not going to have any topping. It's not going to be made of fiberglass and glass. You're certainly not going to blast stereo and go loop-de-loo around any of the bridges or anything like that. Right, um, But uh, you're going to be able to go out with 12 guys, get some work done with some nets, drag fishing. Right, um, So this boat, about 12, 15, 25 feet long at the max, three feet, and its depth that it can sink or so, um, used to having waves max two, three feet, right? Um, that's probably what it's in right now. It's about as bad as it can get and be safe while Jesus is on the mountain and they're down in the sea by themselves in a boat, okay? About as safe as it can get while it's still not fun. They're rowing all night long. They can't get anywhere. You ever been in a boat when the motor's out and you feel those waves from the other wakes come and you start hitting both directions, right? And then maybe you sit down and you go, little bit like that, right? That's what they're doing. They're fishermen. They're okay. All right. But there's, there's wind and there's a storm here. Now, let's rewind again too and look really high if you can at this picture. You got, you got a, a, a body of water that's in chaos. You got a boat, which is kind of a box made of something like wood that's in the middle of that water. Right? And you got a storm. Does that ring a bell? Right? Like, like Noah? Right? This is really, if you want to understand the Bible, it's the way to read it. It never is a new story. It always is the same story echoed further into Jesus' glory. So here we have Noah's Ark at place. Noah's Ark is really, though, the story of the fall. Right? So it, it isn't just that God sends water on the earth and then there's a boat that gets through it once upon a time long ago. It's that he put fire between us and him. And to get back through the fire, we have to go, well, through the ark of the body of Jesus Christ, through death and the grave into resurrection, so that we might enter paradise with our bodies purified by Jesus' own flesh and blood. But that's Noah's ark. And, and that's also then this, 
These 12 men in this boat are us. They are the church in embryo or as fathers. It is their seed that will make Christianity not from their loins, but from their mouth. Yeah, the praise of the word of God that they will share with the world. So the whole church, Old and New Testament, in a moment is caught in this boat, in this storm, and no Jesus. There's no Jesus with them. They're in the darkness in the abode. I can go deeper on this and notice the pun. Yam is the Hebrew word for sea. Not like I see you, but like water, okay? Yam. Yam is also the Canaanite deity of the ocean. Poseidon, effectively, right? So whenever they're in the region of these deep waters, they are such a spiritual people, they will believe that either God himself is making it happen that moment to them, or they will believe it's demons doing it. And we're going to see that in this story. We're going to see that in this story. That's the difference between moderns and uh, the ancients, or I would just call everybody else who ever lived. You know, everybody else who ever lived, if something went wrong, let's say like this piece of paper, do I need this later? Maybe. This piece of paper goes, okay, so if that had happened accidentally, why did it happen? Was it just because the wind blew? Or is there more than the wind here? And the ancient people were like, yeah, there's more than the wind here for sure. And we're like, nah, it's just science. Huh? That's the difference. And I'm not saying that everything you believe in the ancient world is right, because that's how you get superstitious, right? <gasps> Did you see the piece of paper fell off the pulpit today, right when he said the word boobly-boo or something like that, right? Oh, it must mean this. That's reading omens. Don't do that. Okay, don't do that either. But be aware of the serendipity of creation itself. Be aware that God so built the law that it works for the good and doesn't work for the bad. And so when you have the law on your side, good is on your side, and then he redeemed you in the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah? Uh, I... Getting off here a little bit on a tangent, but nonetheless, uh, trying to get to this idea that they're in the, the belly of the beast in the boat, that, that for them, this is a spiritual battle, not a physical battle. They aren't thinking about, oh, if only we had more oars, right? They're actually praying probably at this point. And notice again this too, if we want to talk symbolically, what's going on in the picture? You have a picture of the church without Jesus in the church. You see that? No? And if you don't have Jesus in the church, the church has some tough times. That's what happens. And what happens in tough times? You get frustrated and afraid. Fear and anger. Two twins that like to show up when trust is missing. Right? When trust is missing. So, here we go. They're in the middle of, the, of the, uh, the sea. They're tossed by the waves. I love the very, very British New King James, for the wind was contrary. Uh, it's a contrary wind tonight, brothers. What say we retire to the cigars? So, um, I, I, I don't mind it, though. There's something like really, um, it makes you stop and think about it. What is a contrary wind? See, we wouldn't think that that would mean there's an ill feel in the air because we don't think about things except science, right? You know, science. I, I like science. I just don't believe in people who don't know what it means and talk about it. <laughs> so, um, but in any case, you know, the wind is contrary. It's a dark and stormy night. And in the fourth watch of the night, that's the last one, the last one, when you're exhausted, how long can you row? <laughs> I can't go very long. They see Jesus walking on the sea. All right. I'll be back to the 
pulpit in a moment. I promise not to get out of the pulpit too often. I'll pick up my page while I'm here. So how have you envisioned this in the past? Every cartoon, drawing, whatever I've ever seen, Jesus is just kind of like chilling on the water. There's the boat and the cave. If you're going to do that, that's fine. Like, what, what's going on? Is the storm being, like, calmed? The silver surfer? No? No? Kind of that kind of thing. It's a ghost. As you see, now he's changing the water, though. He's not really walking on it. And this gets into the debate about the Lord's Supper with Calvin and a bunch of other stuff. Does Jesus change the water so he can walk on it? Or does he walk on it? Because he's got enemies, right? And are number two, and Calvin's are number one. But now, let's just get back to the fun part, the reason I'm pacing and everything. And so, okay, so you can have him kind of parting it, changing it, right? Uh, you can have him kind of stepping on it, I suppose, and you've got the two-foot waves and stuff. But what I would do, and I, I can only show you, but you just chop it, right? I'm going to be all... But you're in a boat, freaked out from the night of work, so, and you're not used to people you know, wave surfing on the Sea of Galilee in the middle of a stormy night. However you want to picture him being there, it doesn't matter, right? Um, I like the joy and the rush. But in the boat scared, I'm not going to say, oh, that must be my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, walking to me on the water in the darkness because he's like that sometimes. <laughs> um, Instead, they thought what you would probably think if you were in a place of such terror and something truly eerie happened, right? You might think, what was that? And that's what they say. They say it's a ghost, only they're more honest. They don't just say, what was that? It must be physics, right? No, they're like, well, maybe there's a wicked spirit that exists in this place, much time we got it'll spread open too fast um ghosts are all over tv right like not just casper but like like haunting stories and we're gonna go with the cameras and find the stuff and do the things and find the sounds and blah 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 and it's all made up they're just making so much stuff up stop wasting your time there are ghosts they do exist but they're demons they're not humans so the key takeaway from this teaching on demons today right ghosts are not humans who have stuck around and are saying hi Ghosts are demons who maybe were here when those humans were here. Watched their entire lives. Listened very carefully. Were there when you made promises that maybe you shouldn't have made. And can bring those back to mind at a seance later if they want to. They're pretty wicked. And they're all over. And I can tell you they're all over because no one believes they're all over. Christians used to. We used to believe that you didn't just walk into any place and assume it was good there, right? You would at least pray. I remember one of the things my mother got from her Lutheran church in Portland. When I was about three, I, I was claw, crying into our, our um, white rabbit. It's a Volkswagen. They don't make anymore. Cool little car. I was climbing into it, and I saw this little gold placard sticker. It's one of my early memories. You know, mother, mom, what's that? And it had praying hands on it. It was a prayer. And it literally said something to the line of, I am about to drive a car. May I please go and come safely? In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, now steering wheel, sticker. All right? I never heard that prayer prayed once. 
after I was told what it was. Nor did I ever think when I got my license, I should pray before I drive somewhere. Never thought it. Why? I don't believe in demons. Take that home. Chew on that one a bit. Okay? Ask me more if it scares you. But really, I'm trying to get us to think it hasn't changed. You're not in danger. There's nothing to be afraid of. That's the point. But it's because there's nothing to be afraid of that you can walk into places where everybody else is afraid and know, oh, there's demons here. And then you can be the one who has a spirit out of fear, but of power and mercy and truth. And the one who gives calm. That's what Jesus is going to do. I mean, you're interrupting his surf session, right? Uh, he knows what he's doing. Uh, they shout, it's a ghost, though. They're afraid. It's a spirit. What is that? Who could it be? Where did they go? I mean, it's like I, I create a time portal in my pocket. I don't even know. So one of you, look, check this out. This is all from you. Thank you for loving me. The, this pocket knife. This is the third of these pocket knives I have owned. I have owned two exactly like this and one larger. You know why I bought the one larger? I lost the other two. <laughs> Guess what I managed to lose? The larger one. About three, four weeks ago. I have no idea where it is. Just this morning, I'm praying. Jesus, I really want to go buy that small little knife. I loved it so much. It works so well. But I've lost all these knives. I don't need to spend any more of this stuff right now on this stuff for me. I don't need that knife. Thank you, Jesus. I'll love, I'll borrow, I mean, all my kids got knives. I got, there's a million knives in the house. I can borrow a knife. One of you shows up today and gives me this. <coughs> Gave me this. Thank you. Lost, found, what does it mean? Fear is what it means for me. I'm just sharing my fear with you in real time. I'm in a full sweat. I'm in a full sweat. That's how terrifying talking about that I lost this stuff is to me. And when I have it happen in my real life, it really breaks my day. Ask my kids, they'll tell you. You know, I stop, I freeze. Where is that? Ah! It's like when you lose your phone. <laughs> Can you imagine if every time you lost your phone, oh, there's mine. I almost lost it. It's like right there taking pictures of me. The, every time you lost your phone, think about this. Where's my phone? What if that happened when you lost your Bible? You get up, you're going to leave the house. Where's my Bible? Hey, I can't find my Bible. Kids, where's my Bible? Let's just chew on this stuff. We're in a good place. We're in the boat. And Jesus is in this ship with us. He, he comes to them on the water. They think he's a ghost. Verse 27. They're so afraid. He shouts. And, and how shall we do this? Let's start with the Greek. It's, it's tharsita. Tharsita. It, it, it means be encouraged. But that's just so boring. It just sounds so boring. Why would you? I would, you would never, as an American, shouting into the wind and the waves of a boat, say, be encouraged. You, you wouldn't do that, nor would I, I think you wouldn't say, be of good cheer. But, but if, I, if I go back to like, if you remember, I'm doing movies today, you know, the old Robin Hood, is it Errol Flynn? Errol Flynn? You know, little British, you know. He swings in, ha I'm here, be of good cheer, right? Now you got some of Shakespeare, English, happy hero words, right? We have to take this, though, be of good cheer, and put it into what you would be encouraged by. In English, um, if, I'm, if I'm having trouble and, oh, my goodness, it's a ghost, uh, I, don't, I don't know what word would, would wake me up there. But I know what sounds would. And, you know, I'm going to talk about dogs a lot because I love dogs, um, and they make sense. Like, if you want to calm a dog down, 
Don't yell at the dog. If the dog's barking, you want it to stop barking, don't bark, okay? You're just gonna get in a bark fight, right? You want the dog to come down, you go shh, Or maybe, like, what's a horse? Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. Those onomatopoeias, sounds that mean words, are what tharsita means. Right. There is a ghost. Whoa, 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 guys. Ego and me. He shouts that one for sure. Ego and me. Translated, it is I. <laughs> I feel like Superman when you say it that way. The, um, it is I. Uh, ego and me, two words in Greek, and these are worth memorizing. You can write down ego, right? Like ego, like you get from psychology. That's ego. It's just the word I, capital I. Yeah. And then ame is, is am, ame. We actually probably get it verbally from ame. Um, ego and me, I am. Jesus says, I am. And we translate it as it is I, but I want you to remember all the other times Jesus says, I am. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd, yeah? And here he says, I am, whoa, 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 whoa. And he's gonna say, I am me fobesta, which means fear not. Me fobesta. Me is one of three ways you can say no in Greek. U, me, and ume, right? U means no, me means probably not, and no means no way and a bunch of expletives afterwards. It's their expletive no, right? No way. You're not going to over my dead body. You fill in the blanks, right? That's ume. This is just me. It's not even ooh. It's me. May you have no fear. But what we have to understand is it's, it's not so much that Jesus can't command you to fear not. He is commanding, fear not, right? But the problem is they're already afraid. So it's not like fear not as if I'm not fearing and now I'm just going to not fear. Right? Bravery isn't having no fear. Bravery is when the fear comes, you then you take heart. You find comfort in something bigger than what you are. Right? It is I stop fearing. Or may the fear be dispersed. Or I take your fear away. Again, ego e me, I am comfort, you have no fear. He shouts to them in the boat. And then we get Peter. What a great dude. Peter answered right away. He says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Which, there's, there's a lot of wisdom here. I, I barely unpacked this verse so far in the other sermons. Uh, it, he doesn't think it's Jesus, or he thinks it's Jesus, but he's unsure? I would tell you it is a wise thing to test the spirits if you meet a ghost on the ocean in the middle of the night, and it tells you, it is I, be of good cheer, come to me on the water. Like, don't, really, don't. <laughs> now, ask it, are you Jesus Christ, right? Like, get serious with the thing. And that's what's happening, though, right? He's really saying, I don't know what you are out there in the water. How would I know you thing on the sea that could be imitating my Lord in order to deceive me with your witchcraft and lies? How would I know that you are really you? Well, I know how I know. You tell me, I can do it too. We'll go. Here we go. Tell me, tell me, Jesus, I'll come to you on the water. So for Peter, this is a moment of, oh, I think it's him. 
It's him. And Jesus says, come. And then Peter does what none of the other disciples do. They're where I would be. I'd be in the boat. I'd be in the boat or <laughs> I'd, I'd be like putting my toe in, right? How's that water? Did, did, did my toe go through the water or did it stick? Ooh, I can stick on it. I'll walk down, right? Uh, Peter just jumps, right? He, he, and he does this later. Do you remember this? How he jumps in like belly flops, swims with the shore. And it's like a picture of his death. That happens in John's gospel. Um, in any case, he just gets in and gets in, jumps out of the boat onto the water and starts walking, running, going toward Jesus. The miracle alone. If you don't believe in a six-day creation or a three-day Jonah story being possible, Please don't ever tell me you believe Jesus walked on water. And if you believe Jesus walked on water and you don't believe Peter walked on water, then you're a real fool. So it's, it's so clear these things are just out of this world, not normal. They're from a time unlike our time. We don't have these kinds of, well, God is not here in the flesh the same way. He is here in the flesh according to bread and wine to be in you and us for the sake of our praise that the word would change the world. Our faith would show them what love really is all about. But he's not here healing lepers. He's not without a little bit of salve from the science. So again, what's he here for? He says, come. Peter goes out and there's this miracle, this impossible reality. He's out of the boat and yet he's able to be there with Christ Jesus alone. But then... After he has given this gift, verse 30, when he saw that the wind was boisterous, there's your more British, right? The wind was boisterous. Um, what does that mean to you? It kind of almost sounds funny to me, boisterous. But, but what it means is loud, right? Like, how can I do it up here? I'll be boisterous for a moment. Need some books. That's kind of boisterous, right? And so... He saw, you don't see the wind. He saw that the wind was boisterous. There was so much going on as he's trying to walk on these waves and whatever that he, you know this pitch line, right? Takes his eyes off Jesus. That is, you know, if there's something he does wrong, is that in his trust, he doesn't trust. He looks at the wind, just like the water and the waves, the wind being an ongoing image in the Bible for the demons. It's in Ephesians 2 this morning. The principalities are the powers of the air, it says, right? It doesn't mean that every breeze that comes by is a demon. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the way that the wind works where we just can't, and we don't know, that's sort of how the bad spirits are, and so we're not supposed to. We're supposed to look to Christ instead. Don't try to walk on the waves of the evils of this age by yourself. Look at Christ and run toward him, and he will be just fine, right? He'll tread upon the lion and the scorpion. So um, he sees the wind. He is afraid. There's Phobos. Phobos, fear comes upon him. And beginning to sink, he cries out, saying, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. I put my book over here. You, um, you, you always have the freedom. We talked about it earlier. At any moment, you hit your head, thumb with the, the nail, the nail goes through your thumb. Jesus Christ, save me. Like, that's, that's, that's a good prayer at that moment. You're not going to die, but, but the word salvation isn't just about from death, right? It's like from any injury, right? So to, to call out, Jesus Christ, save me, that is what this story is here to tell you. When you call out, Jesus Christ, save me, he's going to grab your hand, 
He's going to say, I got you, my little one. I'm going to come back to that in a second. There's no shame ever in saying, save me. If you did, in fact, Jesus made you say it. Jesus made you say it. But there are other things you can pray. Um, there are other things you can do. You could also be in the boat. Still, what are these guys doing watching this whole thing? There he goes. There he doesn't go. We'll haze him about it later, probably, right? But for the moment, he's dying. Oh, my goodness, right? And Jesus saved him, right? What did they say out loud? What were they praying for? Probably salvation. There's a moment where Jesus says, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. He asked that question. And there's the point. You don't have to say, save me. It's okay in the moment to say something else. And what Jesus says is, no, Father, rather glorify your name. Which again makes Jesus Christ the first thing you should just say in every situation. And then you can say, Jesus Christ, save me. Jesus Christ, glorify your name. Jesus Christ, humble me. Jesus Christ, teach me to pray. That is all that it takes. Um, The other option, guys in the boat, stay silent. This is not the time to stay silent. Today in America is not the time to stay silent. I don't care what you have an opinion about. Have an opinion. Try this on sometime. Stop saying, I feel, I feel this, I feel that. Say, I have an opinion about that. My opinion is, and then see if someone can disagree with your opinion without getting overly opinionated about it. You know? We could use more of that. Don't stay silent. Don't stay silent in the name of Jesus. I have an opinion in the name of Jesus Christ. I base it on the scriptures. You know, see what the pagan does with that one. You can stay silent. You can pray to be saved. You can pray for glory. Um, All these things do in the name of Jesus. Uh, Jesus uh, catches Peter by the hand. This is the end of verse 31. And he calls him alagapistos. So you have pistos, which is the word faith in Greek. Pistos, trust. That means trust. Uh, And then you have uh, alagapas, which means little or small and you've heard this word in English before if you've ever heard the term oligarchy. Now you've heard monarchy, right? Uh, oligarchy, rule by a few, rule by a little group, right? Well, here it's not a group, it's just Peter. It's oligopiste, little faith guy. And again, the English can't catch it. Oh, you of little faith. Right? This is very drawn out. One word in Greek, oligopistos. And think of this now as similar to the name Peter for a moment. Right? Peter is just the word petros in Greek, which is the word little rock, little rock. There's another rock like the cornerstone rock or built on the foundation rock, um, which is not Petrus. And Peter does not get that name. And the argument about Peter's name in Matthew is uh, all tied up to this, but that's the Pope stuff. In any case, his nickname though from Jesus is little rock. And now he calls him little faith. Huh? So it's, it's meant to be for us here. That in our moments of fear, when it seems so big and we cry out, his salvation is really like, like, no, no, I got you, little faith, it's okay. And I want you to think about it this way too. I mean, dogs, you can learn a lot from dogs. Not all, uh, it's not just dogs though. Any pack, any group animal, they have more than, you know, a couple of kids at one time. Generally, there's going to be one in that pack or in that litter. You're going to call that one the runt. Right? Why is it the runt? It's the smallest one. So what happens? It starves to death in the world right? if there's no master. If there's a master, the runt doesn't starve to death at all. The runt grows up healthy and becomes part of the pack because the master knows that the runt needs more help than the others do to get its food. It's a runt. 
It's too small. It can't do it on its own. And so, again, Jesus sees Peter and says, my little runt, why did you, says doubt here, hesitate is the word, though. Why did you hesitate? We're at 44 minutes for this sermon. I have a list here of three things that scare me that are not losing my earphones before the service starts. That does scare me, but I got through it. These three things scare me every week at St. Paul Lutheran Church. I'm scared of losing my place. The sermon, and the liturgy, and the conversation. I juggle so much information. I love doing it, actually. It's better than a video game. You know, knowing you all, your lives, you know, what I can say at the, if the Proverbs comes out at the right time. Like, I love this, right? But when I lose my place, I do it wrong in the liturgy, right? Or I'll, I'll, I'll have to look in the notes and it doesn't matter what I think, what I say. I know I have fear because my body goes into a fear like release mechanic. I, I, you, know, you get the sweat, you get hot, the windows kind of close in on your eyes a little bit. It's harder to focus, right? So, losing my place, going too fast. Do you believe every week I'm afraid of going too fast? Because I do every week, at least once, maybe seven times. If you're young, you don't notice. If you're old, you know what I'm talking about. You maybe even told me, slow down. And believe me, I'm just me and I'm trying. Um, it scares me every week. And why? For good reason. Because if I go too fast, you can't understand what I said. Right? So as a preacher, a rhetorician, a teacher. It's not, a, it's not an evil fear, but again, like I'm scared to even talk about it with you. And then where does this really come down, the misfire? You don't have to raise your hand with me. I stutter. I don't always stutter. So if you think, Pastor, you don't stutter. It's weird. It's like situational. And it's based in fear. And the moment I have one, they tumble into me speeding up which tumbles into me losing my place, which tumbles into me being more afraid than I was no matter what, right? You see how we just create the hell we live in. Jesus Christ, I'm afraid, is the answer. And it is all that it takes. Jesus Christ, I'm angry. It's all that it takes. I've been free with you today. Uh, this sermon and the early church sermon, or early service sermon, are on the same text. Uh, every week, you know, it's like Chloe said, uh, you know, second service and the piano is just always so much better than the first service, you know. But well, you practice the whole morning, right? So, <laughs> um, you know, this sermon always has a little more of that on its side. But ever since we shut down, you know, this was the first service that came back without, you know, face coverings on. And as a result, it's just been the place where I felt more comfortable at church. Like I come to Saturday night and I do it and I love everybody there. I'm not as comfortable as I am at this service. And what's happened then is you get more of my um, Bible study style teaching where we would just be going back and forth than the other service does. Um, lost my place for half a second. Fear sets in. I wonder if it'll come back, right? Jesus Christ, I am afraid. I have been free with you in this space today more than I hope to in the future. I've mentioned movies and a bunch of other things, and I may have talked too fast. 
This today, I, I literally am preaching against fear and putting my fear right out here so that I can say, Jesus Christ, I'm afraid. So I can show you what it looks like and I need it. I need to stop being afraid of this place. I'm so tired of it. I'm just tired of it. Am I wasting your time? Are you here too long? Are you itching to go? Like that's on my heart every week. And so you don't need to change anything. That's my job. I chose it. I want to be here. I'm called to it. Yeah. But... I know the answer to my fear was not I drew a line in the sand or I figured out this or that. It's that this week, because of this text and these Greek words, I started shouting Jesus Christ at the sky when I was angry. And my whole world changed. In the name of Jesus 